Who's heard this song before? Anybody? No, yes? Come on. Wait for it. I bet you have. It's likely, although not as likely as it used to be. Chris Tomlin, yes. Anybody recognizing Psalm 115? Here we go. Did we make the connection? Um, as we start class here today, you got this song playing in the background. If you were to do a modern version of Henry V, at the end of the big battle, Henry says, sing non nobis and tedeum. And sing the song. And every time I've seen the play on stage or in this movie, you're going to hear non nobis and tedeum. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. It's the psalm. It's a song in Latin. It's also the praise and worship song that you're listening to right now. So in Shakespeare's Henry V, you could theoretically just play this song after the big battle. I'm going to I'm going to give you the punchline if that's all right ahead of time. There are 12,000 French laying across this field in Agincourt. It's a mess, right? Maybe 50 English are dead. Like it's crazy stuff. This is like Old Testament crazy. We're like, they all died and we didn't. So Henry says, sing non nobis and tedeum. Sing Psalm 115. What are we shouting? What are we singing? What praise and worship song? This is awesome, right? Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Good King? Come on, anybody? Good King? We got the Good King? Let's get the bad king going. Hey, not to us, but to God's name be all the glory for all these dead people. Is that maybe just a little awkward? <laughs> so I know we had the whole good thing, thing king going for a while there. But today it gets really awkward. As you watch the big scene today, the big battle scene today, and all the slaughter... At the end, it's like, thank you, God, for helping us kill all these people. Is anybody catching it? I guess this is, I'll be honest, this is even hard to teach today. Because do I want the bad guys to be gone? Yeah, when it comes to slavery and sex trafficking and terrorism, do I want the bad guys to stop being bullies and bad guys? Come on, do I? Yeah. Thank you, God, for stopping the bad guys. What do we do with this? Thanks, God, for killing all these French so we can have more land. Let's give God all the glory. Anybody who knows history, what does Joan of Arc do in the name of God? She kicks out all the English. <laughs> like... Thank you, God, for killing all the English now. And there, the song is done, so I'll just pray and we'll start class, <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Now, the awkward sip coffee. Sorry I missed you on Friday. I'm back. <laughs> More awkward classes with Shakespeare. 
Uh, let me pray. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the Ledford family. The pain of losing dad. There's nothing like it. Please be their comfort. Help us to be a safe, loving community, especially for Haley. And as we watch this big battle today for the next half hour, all the slaughter and the mess and the blood, I pray that you would make it worth the decision to watch. That as we get a picture of medieval warfare, just war in general, and all the killing and the slaughter, I echo this, what's worth dying for? You yourself died a pretty brutal death in a really, in the biggest battle. So I know you get it. Help us to walk out the room today with the truths that you want us to leave with. Thanks that Shakespeare puts this stuff on stage for us. In your name, Jesus, amen. I, every time I teach this lesson, you know, what are we looking at? Maybe 35, 40 times, Shakespeare class, twice a year for a while. For a while there, it was like three times a semester. Every time I teach this lesson, I'm like, ah, maybe we should just skip all the chop them up stuff. It's pretty, eh, right? I think Saving Private Ryan and a couple of these other new modern movies are trying to give you a taste of being in the battle. Right, which it has its real benefits, because do any of us really understand that type of stuff? No. And medieval warfare especially? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're, like, like, you're chopping people up with the sword, and you can see their eyes. and like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just really intense. So I'm tempted not to do it. The other side of it, though, I think is the reason that why people make these movies is to give us a taste, right? Like real people dying for various issues and what's worth dying for and what would you give your life for and what are we doing to each other even that like shooting each other and making bombs to blow each other up and to chop each other up with swords like what are we doing on some level too and so Shakespeare sticks this on stage and are we celebrating this this remember this is 150 years after a play about Gettysburg glory I hate the slaughter I wish it never had happened but I still don't I wouldn't want slavery I wouldn't want to be a part of that right now would you want to be in that country that's got like actual slaves out in the field like no freaking way right got it World War II I didn't want any of that mess I don't think they did either but do we want to let Hitler just keep killing people because he wants to she was like eh uh, okay. Anybody in the tension? We have enough tension to start watching? Because I don't really want to... But I turned this on. I didn't even turn it on. I picked it up and turned it, put it down. I don't want to put it on unless we get the tension. And then once we're in the tension, we get to see what Shakespeare does with it. I think Kenneth Branagh does a decent job with the next 10 minutes of video. It's about 10 minutes. Okay. I will say this. If you don't want to watch kind of the slaughter... I'm not here to make you watch people getting chopped up. You're welcome to step out or color or look down. Yeah? Is that fair? 
Um, I think this is done in a way that's educational, so I'm comfortable with it. There's a scene that I, I may do the whole like, because eh, there's one where there's one guy, York, the guy who took the banner out, gets stabbed and blood comes out of his mouth, and it's like, ugh. I'll let you know when that's going to happen. You don't have to watch that. That's just bad. Onward? Okay. He gave the big old speech. They come down the hill. Remember, we're like, eh, eh, right? Uh, can't even imagine that. I'm going to get us back to this part. Is that fair? Boy! Go, boy! And remember, how'd they win? Well, God, yes. Else for what? It's a valley, so picture these mounted knights trying to go up a hill that's muddy. Can they do that? No horses were hurt in the making of this film. Nor people. <laughs> we're acting. But did stuff like this happen in the Middle Ages? And even now today? Look at that, they're right in front of each other's faces. That's why I wanted us to see what are Pistol and Nim doing. Stealing from people. Yeah, these are the Tenardiers in Les Miserables. Right? They're, 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 they're stealing off of dead people. Pretty easy to loot people when they're dead. Right? Remember I said I'm comfortable doing Shakespeare to Christian school. How did things go for Falstaff? He didn't make it out of Act Two. How about Bardolph? Also dead. He didn't make it out of Act Three. Let's see what happens with Pistol and Nim. Remember, these are all the drunken fools in the play. How did it go for uh, Andrew in Twelfth Night? No. How about Toby? No. Eh. <laughs> right. So again. I'm comfortable with what Shakespeare does with this, right? In the rain, the armor was so heavy that a lot of the knights would fall off their horses and drown in the puddle because they couldn't get up, right? Because they're so heavy or they're stuck. Alright, here's the York scene. That's York. So here's Nim. This is in the text. But Nim doesn't make it, right? All we have left is Pistol from that group. This gives you an idea. 
And now Braun the director, slows it all down. I was like, this is a mess, isn't it? They, you could easily, like I said, the, the armor holds you under the water. Thanks for the pass. This is the part with York. Pretty gross. the one who wanted to go out with the king, right? I know, you have to watch it if you don't want to. God dang it. Hi. So now he's losing his friend. We just lost York. We got a little bit of text here. Now Shakespeare's describing all this in words. Why, all our ranks are broke. Oh, pleasurable shame. Shame. And eternal shame. Nothing but shame. That's page 239 Why if you not? want it. Once more, back again. We are enough living in the field to smother up the English in our throngs if any order might be caught upon. The devil will take order now! Yeah, right. Hail to the throne! Let life be short! Your shame will be too long! As Shakespeare puts the language in there, why would the French just run back, back out in there? Do you want to survive the battle having lost this one? They're like, I, I'd rather die in the battle than have to live it and know that we totally got our butts kicked, right? So there's that sense of war battle decisions that are being made and they just all rush out in there again do we have any of this dialogue in the history books no but shakespeare knows enough about the medieval middle ages and medieval warfare to write in these concepts on the next page on page 240 you've got henry thrice valiant countryman let's go keep going right so he's like come on let's keep going keep fighting and then you'll see, and I'll try to stop it too much, but gonna, one or two more places I'm going to stop it just to give a more of the effect of teaching about this. York. It's like Helm's Deep. <laughs> Starts raining. You keep the French the field! like to pause that. Henry, on the left, is king of England. He's fighting this guy on the right who's from France. But if Henry wins the battle, then what will happen with this guy? If, he's got, if the guy on the right survives, then he would be who? English, I guess, right? I think it's just so strange. In this moment, Henry's got to kill him. But if the guy doesn't die, and he survives the battle and Henry wins, then now he's on Henry's side. What? I, right? 
right now I'll kill you, but then, you know, in, in half an hour, we're all English. There you go. Like, you see that the, we, it's a, the whole brotherhood thing is so weird. Let's kill them now because they're French. But in about a half an hour, we're all going to be English because Henry wins. And then we wouldn't kill each other, right? Because we're all English, right? And this whole racial thing gets so weird and blurry and the brotherhood thing and the friend thing. And can you really even tell who's who? And Right? For land, right now it's for more land. And here's where the director just slows this down. In Braveheart, that movie, we get a taste of this ugly. This battle is a mess. These people are staring right at each other, chopping each other up. What are we doing? Now, the history books actually have this in them, depending on the source and who wrote it. So it's a little speculative, but it, it's implied that something like this could have happened. It definitely makes for tension in this story. So the story goes, the French were losing so bad, they were so overwhelmed, that they went behind the English line and just killed all the squires. which. France is where chivalry was born. Should a mounted adult knight kill an eight-year-old boy, the 14-year-old squire, that is like so against chivalry, <laughs> like the opposite of it. But it shows how desperate, how angry, how horrible this, this thing just got out of control. And I think that's what Shakespeare's trying to write at, is like, they went behind, their, they kill all the kids? Seriously, you can't kill the adults, so you're gonna kill the kids? They're just back there watching the food, you know. What a mess, right? It's written in on page 243, kill all the boys and the luggage, and certain there's not a boy left alive. Just brutal. Ironically, if you don't read the text, you'll miss what Henry orders as well, though. Henry orders that all of the English kill all the French prisoners. So Henry's... In the movie, he's, you know, they don't mention that in the movie, but the Shakespeare put it in the text. Yeah, so if you want to do the whole bad king checklist, 
that's not cool, Henry. You don't kill all the prisoners. Seriously? Right, so Shakespeare's painting both sides pretty dark here. Keep going. They do show boy, I mean, dead with blood all over him, so. against the law of arms. Tis as a piece of knavery, Mark, you know, as can be offered in your conscience now. Is it not? Certainly there's not a boy left alive. I have not been angry yet, and now I finally am. All right, that's page 146. And actually, 146 and following is where we start picking up with our dialogue and our lines again. Okay, so you can jump there. Just to throw it out there, I'm trying to help us with the ambiguity and what Shakespeare is doing. Paint, him, paint this scene as good king. How is Henry still a good king even though this happened to Boy? His boy, right? Grow up or screw up. What's he going to do? He's going to follow the king. How do we paint this as good king? Still. Come on, someone. Hey, when you follow Jesus, what happened to all the disciples following Jesus? They all got what? Huh? They got killed. Does this happen? Yes. You got to count the cost. This still be a good decision. Follow the king into battle. You might die for the king, <laughs> but at least boy died for the king, right? Are we still okay there with good king? How do we spin this as bad king? Yeah. I mean, earlier in the play, he said he was going to, like, put, like, then a French baby on, like, stage. Yeah, it's just messed he up. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you follow this guy, and look what happens. You end up dead. Nice. Grow up or screw up. He left the drunkards to follow this selfish jerk, and now he's dead. You see what's going on there? Do those both fit pretty well, actually? Yeah. I had this awkward, I'm still trying to write the poem. I don't know how to wrap my brain around it. But I teach teenagers to follow Jesus. 
That's like my job. And I have a lot of parents who sometimes aren't happy that I do that. I like really take this seriously. Because following Jesus can be what? Really hard, right? I think we forget the fact that Judas had a mom. who had to deal with her own son who killed himself after following who? Jesus, right? And Peter, James, and John had moms and dads who maybe went to the funeral of their own kids who followed who? Jesus. Jesus. Right? He's a good king. Jesus is a good king. That's why I like following Jesus isn't necessarily pretty and fun and safe. Does that make sense? Even teaching others to follow Jesus. Not all the moms and dads out there like me for doing that. You can see how a whole bunch of moms and dads might be mad at Jesus when their young little lads and lasses go follow and traipse him around in Israel kicking out demons and healing the sick and all that kind of stuff, right? Fair, fair enough? Does that make sense? Yeah. Just in terms of like the scene, would there have been like, like a grown-up who would have stayed and like made sure something like that wouldn't happen or would that just like not happen? Both. They just wouldn't. You just, this is so far off the grid. I mean, we're talking, this is the heart of chivalry. King Arthur. Would King Arthur go kill an eight-year-old? Would... Sir Lancelot, you know, go kill an eight-year-old? Like, no, it's so far off their grid. And so for this to happen, it was like, ah, that's why I think you talk like the devil takes you, like, this is demonic. This is messed up stuff, right? But it also shows, like, the French got their butts totally kicked. And there's almost no way to explain it, except for the yeoman. <laughs> Thank you, Robin Hood. And as to how it all worked. And then that's where you're going to get this song here in a second. Thanks, God, for fighting for us. You didn't have to fight for us. You fought for us. Sweet. (laughs) I think. Right? I mean, I wonder if God wants the credit for this. Yeah? That's the lesson that I was going to do in about five minutes. But there you go. Right? I don't know. I, I, I do know that this is complex, isn't it? And I tied in a lot of different things here. But especially with the boy scene, Shakespeare put the boy story in this play. And now we have boy dead because he followed the king. Ugh. All right. Keep going. Until this instant, there comes the hell of the French boys. Page 247. Uh, yes! What Harold. <laughs> I come to thee to challenge of all license, that we may wander o'er this bloody field to book our dead and then to bury them, to sort our nobles from our common men, for many of our princes were the while I drowned and soaked in mercenary blood. I'll give us leave, great king, to view the field in safety and dispose of their dead bodies. I tell thee truly, Harold. I know not if the day be ours or no. (laughs) The day 
is yours. Praised be God, and not our strength for it. Now, he could have said a million things, right? If you want to go good, King, how's he looking right now? I know I already spoiled it, but like, at least he's like, thank you, God. It's not even like God did it. Like, yay, God gets all the credit. Yay. The subtext is, does he want it? <laughs> like, right? But that's the first line out of his mouth when he finds out that he wins. Yeah? this castle called that stands hard by they call it ashen court then call we this the field of ashen fought on the day of crispin crispianus Father of famous memory, and please, Your Majesty, and your great uncle, Edward the Black Prince of Wales, as I have read in the Chronicles, fought a most brave battle here in France. They did, Florent. Ah, no, your, your, your Majesty says very true. If Your Majesty is remembered of it, Welshman did good service in the garden where leeks did grow. Wearing leeks in a monmouth cap, which, as your majesty know, to this hour is an honorable badge of service. And I do believe your majesty takes no scorn to wear the leek upon St. David's Day. I wear it for a memorable honor. For I am Welsh, you know, good my countrymen. Bringing in some of that racial stuff. <laughs> but he does talk about honesty here, which is interesting, after the battle. All the water in Wye cannot wash your majesty's Welsh blood out of your body, I can tell you that. God bless it and preserve it, so long as it pleases his grace and his majesty too. Good my countrymen. Jesus, I am your majesty's countryman. I dare not do no I shall confess it to all the world. And I need not be ashamed of your majesty. Praise be God. So long as your majesty is an honest man. How interesting <laughs> that that comes up right now. God keep me safe. God keep me safe. Uh, if you want to jump to page 264... We get pistols lines from Act 5. Does fortune play the hazard with me now? News I have that my nell is dead. Mistress Quickly's dead. Oh, do I wax and 
from my weary limbs honor is cudgeled. Well, bored I'll turn. And something mean to cut purse up quicker. To England will I steal. And there I'll steal. He makes it out alive. But is there a cute little happy ending for him in Act 5? Did he learn anything from all of this? No, what's he going to do? Go back to England and just keep stealing. Notice the theme of the play. <laughs> Who's the thief? Right? What did he learn from this whole thing? To steal. All right. What else are the dead numbers? It is the number of the slaughtered French. Page 256. Act 4, scene 8, line 75. This note doth tell me of 10,000 French that in the field lie slain. Holy cow. Princes in this number 126. Added to these of knights, esquires, and gallant gentlemen, 8,400, of the which 500 were but yesterday dubbed knights. Holy cow. Here was a royal fellowship of death. That's crazy. Where is the number of our English dead? The history books say either 50 or 500. That's still hardly anything. Edward, the Duke of York, the Earl of Suffolk, Sir Richard Kitely, Davy Gam, Esquire, None else of name and of all other men but five and twenty. What? It is wonderful. Why are we sitting here 2018, 800 years later, halfway across the world, studying this battle? I mean, it's crazy. Does that make sense? Like, this is one of those battles where it's just nuts. 50 people die, and between 12 and 18,000 French die in one morning? Like, what? <laughs> and yeah, it, it happened. Okay, here we are. We're studying it. One of those really funky, weird battles. Fair enough? Go we in procession to the village, and be it death proclaimed through our host to boast of this, or take that praise from God which is his only. <laughs> is it not lawful and please your majesty to tell how many escape? Aye, Captain. <coughs> but with this acknowledgement, that God fought for us. Yes, my conscience. 
He did us great good. Do we all holy rites. Let there be sung non nobis and te deum. The dead with charity enclosed in clay. And then to Calais. And to England then. Where ne'er from France arrived more happy men. Hey, there's the whole glove thing. Oh, wait, I had challenged the king without realizing it. Ah, there's words about that. That's the end of Act 4. We're done with Act 4. Yeah? Now, I appreciate what Brano does here. I think in a, a couple of movies, particularly since this, have we been able to see the aftermath of the battle? Right? You get to choose your irony right now. As we walk through all of this carnage, we're singing, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness. Right out of scripture. Which, if he's the mirror of all Christian kings, let's go back to David. When was David writing this song? After killing a whole bunch of what? Canaanites, you know, like, for what? As strange as it sounds. Land. The promised land. But I'm a philosophy teacher, and I get this question all the time. What do we do with the fact that God told the Israelites to just kill all these people that were in the, the land, right? And then they're singing praise songs about it? That's tricky, isn't it? Shakespeare's connecting these dots by having the same song that King David wrote after having victory in killing a bunch of people for more land. Henry is doing what? Singing that same song that David wrote, saying, thanks God for giving us victory so we could have what? More land. But is France the land of Canaan? Did Henry have divine authority like David to go and slaughter the French to get the land? Probably some mom who's mad, right? Maybe it's boys, mom. Probably not. 
But look at the mess. There's carnage everywhere. Dead horses. The water's red. This is why in the hands of Shakespeare, we have to deal with all that complexity and tension. This is the power of story and the power of language and the power of words. We got the big band of brother speech. We're doing it for God's glory. We're gonna give God the glory. Yeah, right? And I, and I say it like this. Unfortunately, he connects it to David in the Old Testament doing something very similar in the name of God and writing songs about it, right? Is Henry King David? If we can't navigate that, you see why a lot of the world really struggles with this, let alone the Old Testament. All right. So what do we got? Good king? Who's voting right now? Good king? Bad king? Nobody's voting. I love it. Nobody's voting. <laughs> Come on. Thumbs up or thumbs down? This is good, King. I know you gotta. You have to. You guys, your your final paper is coming. You're gonna have to pick, right? Or you can do the project and get out of the paper, right? That's why I give you the out. It's tricky right now. Who wants to sign up? Who wants to be king? Nobody wants to be king anymore. Come on. Who wants to be queen? Nobody wants to be queen. Gonna be queen. <laughs> Wait a second. Right. And as the last few minutes tick away here, I think it's intriguing, not to us, but to your name be the, the glory. Is, did Henry get blessed by God with a powerful victory? Maybe, like maybe, like maybe. But you're going to have to really work that through, right? Could Henry be using the language of God to scapegoat God for his awesome strategy and amazing yeoman? So, hey, God gave us victory, divine right of kings, and, you know, I'm using divine authority to get what I want. Could he be doing that? That's just a little awkward. Good thing no one else ever does that, uses God's authority to get what they want, right? Sorry, that, was, that sarcasm was really thick. <laughs> oh, no. Ah. I think what's intriguing here as we end this Shakespeare could have picked anything to end this scene with, and he ends with Psalm 115. So that's pretty profound. Thank you, Shakespeare. But he also could have picked any psalm, and he picks this one. Why do the nations say, where is their God? And it talks about their God is idle. They have mouths but can't speak, eyes but can't see, 
ears but can't hear, noses but can't smell, hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. Those who make them will be like them. The rest of the world worships idols or gods that aren't real. Interestingly, in Scripture, we find a God who has hands, ears, nose, mouth, a very personal, real God. This is a, like a philosophical statement right here about the nature of God. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. You who fear him, that's all of us now. Trust in the Lord. He is your help and your shield. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. It's not the dead who praise the Lord. But we extol the Lord both now and forevermore. Have a nice lunch. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I love it. Careful what you give God credit for. I don't know, like, right? Oh, have a nice day. Brave York. Bye, boy. See you guys. You're welcome. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Here, we'll just get the song back on. That'll help. I don't even know if it does help. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> like, yeah, go team. Yeah. Yeah.